Congratulations, you found it. This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are Three Book Girls. We're out of our regular schedule because usually we record the podcast on Friday night, but we had to, you know, change things around a little bit because Nicole wasn't feeling well. So here we are on a Sunday afternoon, which feels weird anyway. Mm -hmm. So here's what happens, Nicole. We are on our way and we're discussing recent posts and fights on Facebook about political issues, you know, and I, I think maybe I must have been waving my arms around a little too much in the car and, and making faces or something because we get up to the window and the lady in front of us has purchased our coffee. Yeah, she had her mad eyes on. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Yeah, now I feel really, really super bad for acting like I was angry, uh, but maybe she was going to do it anyway. I don't know. Did you um, did you go to the one that I normally go to? Like the on MacArthur? No, actually, we were down here okay. on the other one. But. It actually happens at MacArthur pretty often. People really? do that a lot. Yeah, because the whole pay it forward thing. And then Starbucks will do like, so if somebody in front of you buys your coffee and then you buy the person behind you's coffee, mm-hmm. if it goes onto a trail, like yeah. they actually keep count of how many people do it. And then they'll give like an award to the store that oh, has the cool. most people. Because oh, it was that is cool. We paid for the person behind us, right? Yeah. And I don't know if they went on mm-hmm. also, but I mean, we had three coffees, so the yeah. person yeah. had to really shell out for that, mm-hmm. which and was cool because it was cool. We were discussing hatred and and um, just how people just, just don't even want to listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and especially with everything going on politically, it it just gets. A little bit, I don't know, it makes you feel downhearted a little bit. Yeah. And so that's what we were discussing. And then here's this really nice person in front of us who buys our coffee. And I'm like, you know what? There is still good in the world. <laughs> so there you go. That's a good way to start off the day. And this must be the most awesome podcast ever because it started out in such a beautiful way. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> now we have coffee. And oh, yeah. And we have coffee we didn't even really have to pay for. Coffee makes everything better. Yes, it does. And a random act of kindness by a stranger just puts a smile on your face for the rest of the day. It does. At least it does mine. It does. And hopefully the person behind us is pleased, although we got off way cheaper. Right. Than the I think they the only had one coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm my voice is kind of going in and out. <clears throat> so if I have to stop and clear my throat. It's... I know how you feel. Are you catching the <laughs> catching the crud that's going around? I don't around? know. I think it might be allergies because I feel fine. Mm. Yeah. I didn't even realize anything was wrong until I opened my mouth to speak to my husband this morning and came out like, <laughs> You sounded like a frog. <laughs> <laughs> and I was hacking and coughing. And I'm like, I sound terrible. That's pretty much what's going on with me. Oh, well, yeah. It's allergies. I thought it was allergies. The weather is all over the place. It's 40 degrees one day. It's going to be 70 degrees tomorrow. It's 60 right now. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're all over the place allergy-wise. Yeah. And they said on the news, the weatherman said that when we have those strong 
winds out of the south, mm-hmm. then it blows the cedar pollen in from Texas. Stupid yep. cedar pollen. Stupid yeah. Texas. Sorry, so, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I got sick as Sunday when we had that, all that wind. Mm-hmm. And I was it was the, really, really windy. Yeah, I can I, always... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, just walking through the home and garden show th- from building to building. In that wind, that's what, and then the next day I was immediately sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. cedar pollen's a killer. Yeah. Well, not literally, but it's well, if you're still. Allergic, it yeah. makes you feel like you're dying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that whenever the cedar pollen's up real high, I don't even have to go outside. Just in the mornings when I wake up, my eyes are so stingy. It's like mm-hmm. I'm crying all morning and all the way to work because my eyes are watering but so much. the great thing about having puffy eyes when you go to work is nobody messes with you. Oh, like, Whoa. Like, don't she looks her. angry today. No, it's just allergies. But still, people are really extra nice to you when you have puffy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Something's wrong. Actually, I have, to, I have a little confession to make. When I was really young, I think I was maybe 18, and I was working at a job I really hated. And I was often very hungover because, you know, I was young. And uh, that was when the drinking age was 19. So that tells you how old I was. I think I might have been 19. <laughs> but there was this one eyeliner. It was a purple liquid eyeliner that I liked. But mm-hmm. when I tried it, it made my eyes turn all red and puffy. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was really hungover, I would put that eyeliner on. And then blame it on the makeup. <laughs> so No. So then they go, oh, you look terrible. You should go <laughs> yeah, I don't do that anymore because I love my job. But there you go, a little tip for you: find something that messes with your eyes, and they'll send you home. <laughs> oh, books were a little iffy this week for me. I I read three, and only one of them was good. But I'm not done with it yet, so I can't really review it. So I'm pulling on a former book mm-hmm. in order to talk about it this week because the other ones I read just were. Total crap. And I'm also waiting in line for the book that is currently sold out on Amazon. Can you guess what it is? 1984. 1984. Yeah. I was going to look that up and put myself on hold for it, but I've got some really good books on hold right now. So There were 14 people ahead of me at the Metro Library, so I went to ours, and there were only two ahead of me. So, Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah. So I'll probably have that in time for next week's podcast, So because it's been so long since I read it. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, because of our, um, because of everything in the news right now, you know, people are just really freaked out. And so they're kind of looking back at history and they're looking ahead with a little bit of fear. And I'm right there with them right now. And I read a book recently that I think will fit into this for me. And I'll go first since. Yes, because this is a book that I read. But I will have to say, though, although. I'm kind of afraid for the future, and I'm still trying to stay optimistic that our current political situation will work out I'm, I think better that, than what I think it will. Yeah, I mean, as long as we as long as we stay vigilant, I think it'll be okay. But it's important to look at the past and what's happened before in order to keep it from happening again. Right, you have to learn from the past. Right. So the the book that I want to review today is called The Alphabet House. I love that book. You oh, read it? Wait, you read it too? Juicy Adler Olson? No, I did not read this one. Never mind. No, but I think you might. We've talked about it before, yes. but we just haven't done a full review of it. Or maybe we did a review of it when we first started and then... I think this is... I was getting that confused with a different one. I, 
I you remember when you read it the first time? Okay. And you did tell me about it, and it's been on my list ever since then. I just haven't gotten to yeah, it. Yeah, because it's a really good book. Both Fonnie and I have read it. Um, and the reason, it, usually a book, when it surprises me, I end up liking it more. And this author I've talked about before, one of my favorite new author, well, new to me authors, uh, he does a, a series, a mystery series called, or procedural series, I guess. A, it's like a cold case files Mm-hmm. type series but it takes place in Denmark mm-hmm. because you do like the foreign authors I do I, I like to learn about foreign culture through reading their fiction mm-hmm. which sort of gives you those subtle details of other places without actually being taught about them I like that yeah. I, I, it's like going on vacation for me mm-hmm. so this author I had already read five or six books from him and then this new one came on, so I'm like, automatically check it out, and then realize after the fact that it's historical fiction, which is really not usually my thing. No, it's not. Not at all. But I read it anyway, because I really have great, what do you call that? I have great admiration for Juicy Adler Olson's work, so I read it, and it was probably one of the best books I read in a long time. Not only because of the writing style, but because of the way it was, the way the information about a historical event was presented. Yes. I really enjoyed uh, reading about World War II in a way that I hadn't previously done. First of all, the two main characters are pilots. They're American pilots. American pilots. Mm -hmm. World War II and their plane crashes near, I think, Dresden, Germany. Mm Mm-hmm. So the plane crashes, and here they are. It's winter, and they're they're hurt, but there's a train nearby. So the, obviously they need to get away from the plane crash because they're going to get caught and mm-hmm. taken prisoner. So they scurry over to this plane or to this train area and hop on board, only to realize that it's it's a hospital type train. It's transporting people who are injured to different hospitals, but they're German German soldiers who've been injured. Mm -hmm. Well, luckily, they they get onto an area where the prisoners are so ill that they're either dead. I mean, it's a terrible way to say that, but you know what I'm saying. There's many that have died. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not caught right away because the people that they're passing by in these cars are all passed out or so sick that it's they can't even hardly talk. Mm-hmm. Well, as they go forward, they get to this car where everybody is either dead or non-responsive, and they start to realize they've got to do something. And th- this one dude, they feel his pulse and he's dead, so they're like, okay, <laughs> let's throw this guy out the window and take his place. But then we're going to have to pick another one, too. So, obviously, it's all done in a big rush. They flop the guy out the window, want, and they get undressed and get into the bed and everything. And the other guy's person, I don't think he's quite dead yet, but pretty close. Obviously, not a great thing, but they tip him out the window, too. But beforehand, they take a look at the prisoner's arm because... They, they would tattoo their blood type on the German soldier's arm. 
so that if they were injured, they'd know what type blood to give them. Well, the blood type of this of the soldiers didn't match. Or well, the, the soldiers first, the didn't first know guy, what their blood type was. Right. The mm-hmm. first guy, um, he goes, "Well, this is going to be hard because we're going to have to tattoo ourselves real quick." Mm-hmm. So they tattooed themselves with these blood types. Well, it turns out that the the second guy was the wrong blood type. So they're treating him with this blood for pretty much the whole time he was. That he's having in. a reaction to because it's not the right blood type. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's getting real sick and he's actually injured. So, they're, of course, they're having to give him blood. Well, so they pretend to be non-responsive. Now, one of the soldiers speaks German. But imagine how terrifying it would be to be laying in this bed. You can't understand the language that's being spoken around you and you get separated from the other guy who does speak English. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what really hooked me into this whole thing is just sitting there thinking, oh, how terrifying this would be. <laughs> and as it turns out, they're actually impersonating German officers who are being sent to a, a psychological facility. Mm-hmm. They've totally wigged out. And of course, most of them, as it turns out, are faking because they don't want to be fighting. So they fake Mm -hmm. being mentally ill and they get sent to the alphabet house. Mm -hmm. The story itself, a good portion of it takes place in the psychological facility. Um, But really, that isn't what makes the book great. It was definitely a good beginning. It's... It's it takes place over a very long period of time. And even after mm-hmm. they get out or yeah, one well, of them gets out, one of right. One yeah. of them escapes. Right. <clears throat> and so you you get all of that information about that time period and you get an insight about the state of mind of some of the officers, the SS officers. And you get you get a good feeling of how. The um, people in this mental facility were treated mm-hmm. because it definitely is different than mental hospitals now. Right. And, and they were treated better because they were officers, but also very poorly because everybody figured they were faking. Right. Because they were faking. Well, some of them. <laughs> some of them were faking. Some of them were faking. And it just, I love this book too. And it it had a really good hook with the plane crash at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then these injured American pilots getting on this train and then you don't know what's going to happen. So you're, you're, I mean, I mean it hooks you because you're like, the whole oh time you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get caught. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and then, the big and the one guy's like, they can't communicate because they have to be quiet. Yeah. So the one guy's totally at sea. He has no idea what's going on because he can't understand the language. Mm-hmm. So they're speaking to him and he's just, and you know, it, it works out great because he's supposedly crazy. So, right. of course, he's not going to respond to them. So, of course, he has to act crazy. Mm-hmm. Which and he he's can't not say really. a word ever because he can't speak mm-hmm. German. Uh-huh. And they think he's not talking because he's, you know, not right in the head. But it's really just because he can't speak the language. And <laughs> some of the other prisoners figure this out. Or not prisoners, oh, but uh, patients. Him? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Just the other people in the ward with him are just so horribly cruel. And they find out right away that he's the weakest. And they just torture him. Mm-hmm. So you just always have this suspense about what the heck is going to happen to this 
this guy in this mental facility who really isn't sick and isn't even German and is he going to escape? And it was very suspenseful. How are they going to get out and uh, will they survive? And even when the one guy does escape, you aren't sure he's going to survive. Mm-hmm. And then you go forward in time to when the war is over and you get a little taste of that as well. Right. And there's a mystery surrounding the whole thing mm-hmm. that sort of weaves its way in at the end. And it was just so well plotted and well written mm-hmm. that I, of course, turned around and, and recommended it immediately to Vani because I knew she'd love it. And then recommended it to you, too. But you have such a long. It's on my list, though. A long <laughs> list of things to read since we started this podcast. Nicole's just overwhelmed with all these things we're throwing at her. But it was good. I actually recommended this to my dad, too, because he's he's big on a World War II. Mm-hmm. So, and he likes a lot of war novels, and I figured this might be one that he likes, too. And since I don't have any true experience with the hard history of, of the time period, I don't know how authentic all of this stuff is. But I do know that I just enjoy seeing things from a different point of view. And and this really gives you so many different things. It gives you the nurses, the German nurses during that time. Mm-hmm. And it gives you, you know, some of the officers, like I said, they're in there faking because they don't believe in what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there is documentaries about how mental hospitals use their patients for experiments. Right. Which and this actually happens, that happens in this It does. Book. It happens in different uh, in different houses at that facility, not at Alphabet House. Oh, I can't remember because, the exact... It was a long time since, but... Well, there are they some talk, things that They do. talk about it. Yeah, they do. They talk about it because the facility is housing other prisoners or other soldiers, mm-hmm. plain old soldiers, not officers. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get the idea that those people are much less important mm-hmm. and the really really kooky part of all this is the guy who the 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 dude who doesn't speak german is the highest ranking officer in the place mm-hmm. <laughs> so they really want him to talk yeah they really but want he him to talk. get better but of course he can't yeah mm-hmm. so, and of course he is getting better but he has to act like he's not getting better with and his the, physical injuries. Right. And then, of course, they keep giving him blood, which makes him sick. Well, mm-hmm. no, that's the other guy. Is it the other guy? Yeah. The guy who escapes is the one who has the right blood type. Okay. Because the no, other... No, I'm talking about the guy who doesn't have the right blood type. He's the highest ranking. Yeah. They don't talk a lot about him during that whole stay in Alphabet House. They do a little bit, but once they separate, it seems like it's more focused on the pilot who escapes. Yeah. And I then, think if I'm remembering well, right, until but they, they don't get later on into well, it. Well, then they talk a lot about yeah. the other guy, and yeah. let me tell you, this is not a happy ever, ever no, after yeah. ending. But it's so good and so well plotted. I mean, obviously, not everybody's going to love it because it was long and it was very complicated. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's the kind of stuff I dig. I like it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was really pleased to to have discovered something, even if it was not in my original. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those books that I couldn't wait to start reading, you know, yeah. that I would I might even actually, this, and... is, this is on the list of things I might actually read again someday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was just so well done. <laughs> All right, I hogged up enough time. Who's next? <laughs> oh, wait, Alphabet House by Jussi Adler Olson. It's spelled J-U-S-S-I, his first name, and then Adler Olson. 
So it'd be under A if you're looking it up. Who's next? Okay. Who's next? You want to go next? Sure. I Bonnie. can go next. Um, I read one that I know Martha's read also this week because she's recommended it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Frog Music by Emma Donahue. Emma Donahue is really on our list of best loved authors of this mm-hmm. podcast. Not yeah. on purpose either. This is stuff we've read completely independently of each other. Mm-hmm. And not even realizing because when... We were talking about Emma Donahue for something else, and I think you looked it up because you're like, she sounds familiar. And, and then sure we figured enough, out that she yeah wrote, the one the one I read last week right yeah, mm-hmm. and frog Mu- frog music was the first of her books and that we it? read. It was it was the that first we of read her, right yes. mm-hmm. yeah. And what this is, it's about it takes place in San Francisco in in 1876. It's um, in the middle of a smallpox epidemic. And it's about a burlesque dancer named Blanche and her, it's not really her husband, um, but he lives with her, her partner, I guess, Arthur. Her live-in lover. Yes. Long-term live-in lover. And then their friend lives with them also, Ernest. His friend. His His friend. friend. Sorry, his friend. But they used to, um, they used to perform in the circus together. Ernest and Arthur and when Arthur fell and hurt his back and couldn't perform anymore and moved to the United States from France Ernest came with him so that's how he kind of goes into play but he has a lot to do with them and other aspects of their life too (laughs) (laughs) but what happens is Blanche is walking down the street in San Francisco and is hit by a bike by a high wheel bike and the person who's riding it oh my god what's her name but she runs into somebody riding a bicycle and it's a female dressed up in overalls which is against the law in San Francisco in 1876 and she's wearing pants yeah is against the law Jenny (laughs) is her name Jenny okay yes and they kind of form this unusual friendship from that moment. They kind of, you know, after they make amends for her hitting Blanche with the bike, they mm-hmm. like go eat. They, they go strike eat. up a friendship. And as usually happens, they start to talk and ask questions about one another. And that's just sort of how it starts. <laughs> right. Jenny, you know, asks questions on Blanche, like, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? Yada, yada, so on and so forth. And it comes to light that Blanche has a son, which she has given to, or has given to a baby farm and pays them to raise the baby until the baby's old enough to come back to the city. Mm Mm-hmm. And what Blanche thinks is it's like somewhere outside of the city, in the country. It's a farm. She talks about it being a farm. Like a farm, like in the country. Because I guess when she was little, her mom did the same thing to her. She went to live with somebody outside of of Paris where she was born. Mm -hmm. And then when she was a toddler, she came back to the city because they say that the city isn't a place for for babies. Mm -hmm. So Blanche doesn't think anything of this. And when Jenny starts asking questions, Blanche starts asking questions and no one wants to answer her questions about. Because Jenny will say things like, well, how 
how come you don't see your baby more often? Mm-hmm. Don't you find that, you know, doesn't that make you upset that you never see your child? Right. You know, she starts asking these, even though Jenny doesn't have any kids herself. Mm-hmm. She starts asking all these questions and Blanche had never really thought about any of it in that way. Right. Yeah. So it got Blanche to thinking and then she starts asking questions. Nobody wants to answer her questions. Well, of course, that makes her even more curious. So then she wants to find out what happened to Petit. Her her baby's name is Petit. It turns out that it's a baby farm, which is kind of like an orphanage that's in the city that houses hundreds and hundreds of babies. Like one nurse will take care of 75 to 100 babies in a day. So they're not properly taken care of. So mm-hmm. she walks in there and she sees rows and rows of cribs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes two and, or three babies in a crib. And they're lying there all day in their own filth. Mm-hmm. They're not stimulated at all. A lot of them have misshapen heads from right. laying in one spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From not being properly, you know, they're stiff. You know, babies are usually loose. Because he's and, a year old and he can't even walk. Yeah, right. And he has, uh, is it rickets? I think so. Has rickets his, his... and his bones are soft and because he's not properly, you know, they're not giving There's him no the proper and... nutrients either. So she's furious, obviously. So she takes this baby out of this facility and takes him home to her apartment. Mm-hmm. Well, then Arthur is mad because all of a sudden there's this baby here. And how is she going to earn enough money to support their lifestyle if she has this baby? She can't dance at the House of Mirrors if she has this baby. Because, mm-hmm. see, she's supporting Arthur and his boy toy. Right. <laughs> right. Which he is. <laughs> and um, and then they start blaming Jenny for all of this and everything just kind of keeps heating up and heating up and heating up and someone's murdered. So it's a murder mystery on top of everything else, which, you know, I love. (laughs) Right. There's a mystery to be solved. Yeah. So then and it actually starts with the the murder. I guess I should have said that. And and the the meeting of Blanche and Jenny, everything is kind of like a where it goes back in time. Mm hmm. Flashback. Flashback. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> I'm tired. I haven't had enough coffee. <laughs> and uh, so then you have flashbacks to Jenny and Blanche and and Petit and how Arthur and Ernest are mad and just that she's decided to bring this baby home and disrupt their lives because, you know, everything's about them. And she's an exotic dancer. Right. So, you know, she... The person that she works for is the person that set this arrangement up mm-hmm. with the baby farm in the first place. Right. So her boss doesn't like it either because her boss. She's not getting money. Right. And she's distracted from her work. Right. Because Blanche is one of the best dancers that she has. And yeah. if Blanche doesn't dance, well, then the men don't come to the facility and they don't buy the alcohol and, you know. Nobody makes any money. Right. Pay the money. <laughs> so. And then um, Arthur catches smallpox. And and Blanche is afraid that her and the baby's going to get smallpox. So she doesn't have very much to do with his care. Ernest cares for him the whole time. Well, that builds even more of a rift because then it's she, you know, cares more about this baby than she does Arthur. Yeah. And so on and so forth. And so everything just builds to a climax. Somebody's murdered. And then it becomes a murder mystery on 
who murdered, which actually turned out to be so not the person that I thought it was. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, that's what makes a book good, though, is it a good twist at the end, I think. If, you yeah. fig- if I figure it out, I'll never recommend that book to anybody. Right. The it, mastermind is who I thought it would be, but the person who actually committed it and the reason yeah. is completely was, yeah. different. Mm-hmm. And the the name of the book comes from Jenny's, uh, what she does for a living, and that is she goes and catches frogs and sells them to the restaurant for frog legs. <laughs> right. So that's, that's what she does. Right. Mm-hmm. And she and she actually knows how to cook them, and she'll come over. Like one time she went over to Blanche's house, which I thought was kind of interesting that Jenny just comes in and kind of makes herself at home and just starts cooking up these frog legs in Blanche's kitchen, which is only the second time she's ever been to her apartment. Yeah. I mean, it just takes a really bold person to just come in and do that. Well, I, I mean, she gets arrested like every other day for wearing pants. You yeah. know, she's obviously a very forceful young woman who knows what she wants. She mm-hmm. is. And women, you know, obviously men had a long, hard road to accept women who knew what they wanted. Right. And she men don't really like her very much nope. which because she wears pants and she's you know forceful and she doesn't play by not forceful but she doesn't play by their rules she won't you know play coy and shy and so on and so forth but i really liked jenny's character blanche's character i didn't really care for she's kind of crass and she has absolutely no motherly instincts at all no she doesn't but i have to say that her character is the character that i liked the best because you really saw a change yeah there was her. a change but i still didn't even at the end of the book after she was even a little better of a person well, i mean i didn't like her as a person but i thought the character was very rich and full of um interesting twists and turns and conflicts mm-hmm. which yeah. is what makes a good story Maybe. And, you know, I know that he's a bad guy, but I kind of liked Ernest's character. Just because he was so in love with Arthur. Yes, he was. And you didn't really get that at the beginning of the book until, like, near the end of the book. You didn't realize how much in love that he was with Arthur until, you know, certain things come out. Another thing that I found so fascinating is we've heard about smallpox. But it's such a distant memory for most of us that we didn't really understand. I didn't really understand the kind of epidemic it was and Mm -hmm. the horror of living through that sort of disease. Yeah. I I liked being able to see that through a character's eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was it was I, I felt like I really had a lot more respect for my ancestors Mm hmm. Because that was. It was horrible. I've always thought of smallpox kind of like chickenpox, but no. but it's so much worse. Yeah. And just to go back to the character thing, I will say though, with Blanche's character, I did like the fact that they kept trying to push her down, and she wouldn't let them. Yeah. Every time they would do something horrible and try to, you know, shut her down, she'd be like, "I don't think so. <laughs> well, I can just go do this." So yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, she was a very uh, strong. She's very, very strong. strong woman. In her own way. And so was Jenny. Very strong and independent. Yeah. Those were our ancestors, girls. Yep. And I will have to say, uh, uh, if you didn't guess, they're from France, obviously. So. 
Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, we listen to the audiobook. So that's the other thing I liked about it because it was those French accents. Mm-hmm. Just, I just love the sound of a French accent. It just feels mm-hmm. good in my ears. And the person who read it in the audiobook was very good at going back and forth between the French um, dialect and the American. Because Jenny was American. Right. Mm-hmm. The accents um, compared to like the book I'm reading right now is um, British. Uh-huh. And whenever he tries to talk like an American, he kind of sounds like William Shatner. He like <laughs> pronounces too, <laughs> too much like... <laughs> Over enunciates everything. <laughs> well... <laughs> I understand that you were at. Yeah, I think uh, a good narrator is very underrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I hyper-focus on that when I'm listening to a book. One of the things about the current... Remember I told you about the Peter Robinson book I was waiting for? Mm-hmm. Well, the audio on that is all over-modulated. Uh, and I'm like, Really? So it sounds kind of robot-y. You know, yeah. on the higher end. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. whole thing is like that. I'm like, really? Uh, You're going to put out a product like that? I've read, <laughs> I've, I've listened to a couple like that that were hard to, because they were. Ugh. So yeah, it was very, very, very well done. Frog music was. It was. And, and I would recommend it to a friend. It kind of, for me, it kind of lulled a little in the middle, but it picked up before I was, before I wanted to put it down. So, it was very good. Twist at the end. So, what's your rating on that? I think out of five, Mm -hmm. I would give it a 4.5. I mean, because of the law, maybe even a 4.75. It's definitely one. I actually read it twice. And, I mean, I'm not at all sorry I read it twice. (laughs) Well, that's always a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes I read a book twice just because I have to be more familiar. And this is one that I actually caught more of it the second time that I read it Mm -hmm. than the first time. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a book that I actually bought a copy for my bookshelf. Mm. So you gave it a five. Yeah. Well, because I I think when you're surprised, when you listen to something that's not normal for you, it -hmm. makes you love it more. And that usually happens to me when I don't have anything to read and I'm desperate and I go to the library and I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like it sucks too much. I'll listen to that. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> because you, I can't not have something to read. I think you bought that at the book sale a few years back, didn't you? Because no, I, I listened to it first and then. Did you buy it at the book sale after? I, yeah, I don't know. I, I did just, for the library. I yeah. think when you picked it and it was frog music, I'm like, you always come with the weirdest titles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said, it was just a whim. Mm-hmm. And those are usually the books that I end up liking because they're not my usual. I love science fiction fantasy. That's usually what I go to. Mm-hmm. Mysteries I love. But those aren't the ones that stick with me because. Because you read so many of them. Yeah. Because you read so many. It has to be an exceptionally good novel for it to stick in your head enough. And maybe it's the case that some of these novels that I recommend to people they go eh, (laughs) and that's fine i think that's what this is all about is being able to recommend things that you love or even kind of were inspired by Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so frog music by emma donahue right frog music by emma donahue 
What right. about you, Nicole? Okay, so mine is definitely not as exciting as this. Um, but I've heard a lot of people talk about this. Almost everybody has at least heard of this book, but it's a self-help, um, and it focuses on uh, like self-help in a professional environment, uh, which I was interested in just because being in the workplace and I'm still in school, I just always mm-hmm. find it interesting to read stuff um, that could help me in the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. further your career. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it's by Dale Carnegie. Um, and it was actually really interesting. I thought it, I was worried it was going to be really boring because a lot of self-help books are. But um, it just talks about like your relationships with people, essentially, and uh, how to make them like in your advantage so that you kind of get like what you want. But not in a, like a manipulative way, but like like if you're a salesperson. Then persuade them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of salespeople have to read this. Uh, like it's a requirement, and I, it was really interesting. Even if I think if you're not in sales and you just want something to read that will help you in any workplace at all, it's a good little book to read. And it's not long. I think it's like 200 pages, so it's a very quick read. Hmm. Which a is lot. a plus if you're doing as many things as you are. Yep. Right. So do do you think? Are you going to take some of the advice that it suggested in the book? Yeah, and a lot of the advice is not stuff I've never heard before. It's nothing that's like so outrageous or. There's probably it's a reason. Novice. There's a reason for that, and that's yeah. because that is the book. Yes, it's not a new book. It was written what? It, this is pretty old. Forty? Yeah, because he talks about giving, and it's Dale Carnegie, like the Carnegie. And there are, are Carnegie. Like um, Carnegie Hall? Carnegie? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. uh, Carnegie, he gave lectures in New York City because um, mm-hmm. he, he was having issues doing sales. And then he kind of he started succeeding and people were paying him to teach them how to do this. And he had such success that he just started writing this book. Um, and it talks about that in the first part of this. So um, and the fact that all these years later... Here you are, a 22-year-old. Yep. And it still applies. It's still valid. Mm -hmm. Still workable ideas. And the best part about it is this is stuff, like, it's very common sense. However, even though you already know it, seeing it written and the thought process of why, like, why it's appropriate is completely different than just something... You had kind of learned yourself. I don't know. Being able to like read something, it, it, your mind just processes it differently. I'll so. agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's more of a straightforward recommendation other than just little bits and pieces that you hear from different people. Like people say, well, just smile. Just be yourself. Be yourself. <laughs> well, in this book, he probably explains why smiling and being yourself Making helps eye you. contact. Right. Yeah. And so his like chapters are named kind of interesting. The first one is or the second one is um how to deal with people. But then he has I might have uh, to read that book. He <laughs> <laughs> He who can do this has the whole world with him. He who cannot walk so lonely way. And I like just the information he puts in here is I don't know. It it's just good to think about and then he has some really good examples that he 
that's personally like gone through or that somebody else has told him. Mm-hmm. And then he has uh, people like, I guess, that come to him and say like, thank you so much for all like when they would attend the lecture because it really did help people a lot. And this when he wrote this, this is the time of door-to-door salesmen like Mm -hmm. they would go like my great-grandfather was a door-to-door salesman in new york before he got his medical license and it's like so that's the time period where sales was not the way it is today it was very personal Mm -hmm. personable and people who are very successful salespeople are personable yeah yeah well they they understand how to communicate and communication in this day and age is even more difficult than you would think it because is. younger people aren't used to the kind of interaction face to face person to person because a lot of the interaction is through social media mm-hmm. and i saw i have noticed this with my 18 year old son he'll bring a friend over and they'll sit on the couch and text yeah, and not back actually and forth talk. to each other. Well, for one, for one thing, your parents can't say anything. You know, if, if you're, you're typing something forth. inappropriate or making plans for later or something yeah. like that, I get that. But a lot of the communication issues that they have when going to apply for a job or some of those things, they don't react in the same way because their interactions with people are limited. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's making more teenagers introverts than extroverts, if that makes sense. Yep. Because they don't talk face to face with anyone. It's all through social media. It's all through texting. It makes it. It's not rude to them to sit and look down while talking. Yeah. Right. Because that's that's a good example of it. Yeah. yeah. They don't make eye contact. But. Walking in and shaking someone's hand and making eye contact and having a conversation might feel awkward to somebody who spends most of their time looking down mm-hmm. at a screen. You know what I mean? Right. And so, if you're face to face with somebody trying to sell something, you can't sell something like that. Yeah. If you don't look at them, if you don't make it all about that person, make them feel like that's your only customer, you're not going to make that sale. I have to say that being taught how to be a salesperson can benefit you no matter what you do in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to sell, uh, I used to have a home business mm-hmm. when my son was small. And I had a heck of a time because I just really didn't, I'm not good at face-to-face things. And I probably would never have done it if I wasn't so desperate for human content. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to learn how to interact with people I didn't have anything in common with. And that is a lot harder than it sounds. It is hard. It is. And so I read that book mm-hmm. when I was beginning in the sales. And and it was amazing to me how easy it was to implement his suggestions. Yeah. And like when you read it, did you, you're sitting there thinking like, wow, like I kind of already do this, but I never actually thought about it. And this is how I can improve. Like, I don't know. Cause and this is how you can improve yeah, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the realization that I had while. Reading it. There are small things that you've maybe done that you thought might be successful, but you really weren't sure because you never actually had to make a sale. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he could take this information and go, okay, this will work. If you just practice and you do it this way, this works. Mm-hmm. Whereas otherwise you have no idea. 
you you don't understand what it's going to take to get to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to take some of these and and take some some strong points that you already have and work on those to improve your relationship with people because you're going to want to take skills that you already have and strengthen them. Mm-hmm. Communication skills are very, very underrated. Mm-hmm. I, I say this to my son all the time. You have to communicate. You can't just expect people to behave a certain way towards you. You have to learn to communicate with other people in a way that they understand. Right. And I will say my very first job, which nobody judged me for, was telemarketing. I was a telemarketer <clears throat> and I worked second shift. So I was the one who called you in the middle of your dinner. Thank you. Thank you very much. But <clears throat> they did two weeks of training before they ever put you on the phone on how to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I am so glad that I had that training. And you are so good at that. Right. Even though it was for telemarketing, which is a horrible job <laughs> that I stayed at for a year and a half. Thank you very much. That's <laughs> because you're good at it. <laughs> but it taught me how to interact with people in a way, in a business type of way, especially where thick skinned, where you didn't get your feelings hurt mm-hmm. if they said something bad. Yeah. Because it's not you that they're rejecting. I wonder if it's I ever hung business. up on you. I bet I did. You could have. I love you. Nah. <laughs> you didn't when I called you in the middle of dinner. <laughs> Take me off your list. But I will say that I was not one of those pushy salesmen that wouldn't let you off the phone. I rebuttaled twice like I was supposed to. And if you said no twice, I was like, thank you. Have a good day. And I put you as a no. Like, I know some telemarketers that they would not stop talking until you hung up on them. Yeah. And then they would put you as a callback and not as a no. I'm the... Because you hung up on them. I'm the horrible person who, if I answer my phone and there's a telemarketer, I hang up. (laughs) But that's actually not horrible because then you're not going through the whole pitch. Yeah. Well, and... I don't want to like one. It's wasting your like the telemarketer's time, and two, it's wasting. You're just your gonna time. like the telemarketer's just gonna piss me off because I'm gonna keep saying no, and they're not if gonna. You say let no me three off. times, yes. they're supposed to let you go. But oh my gosh, I got such interesting people sometimes. Like this one lady that I talked to from Alaska when I was on an inbound line and not an outbound line. I talked to her for 45 minutes. Did you sell her anything? Yeah, I sold her. And then after I got done taking everything and reading her all of the disclosures, she said something about um, I heard there was noise in the background that was unusual. And I'm like, do you need me to repeat any of that? Because I wasn't sure if maybe it was a connection. She's oh, like, oh, no, I listened to it. I'm just feeding the moose through my back window. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so then we started talking about, you know, her moose. There's that's... Mrs. Brightside over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, I met such interesting people. The rest of them were apples and they all hung up on me. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to make the best out of every that's situation. Right. That's right. <laughs> But anyways, <sighs> sounds so, like an interesting book. And what was it called again? How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Okay. All right. So what's in the future? Anything good? Well, oh, I, I have to tell you, I'll, I'm going to talk about the Peter Robinson that I was waiting in line for, you know, because he was the one that did The Kind Worth Killing that I loved so much. Mm-hmm. And his new one, I'm almost done with it. So I'm going to talk about that next week unless something else new comes up. Okay. I just got a book about the Romanov sisters. Oh. It's a biography. What's a Romanov thing? sisters? Uh, Russian. And, or what? The Russian. Romanovs? Yeah. The Russian... Uh, Russian royalties? The czar? 
Like the czars that went missing and their daughters? Anastasia? Uh, oh, oh, okay. All right. I didn't know their last name. I'm not... I'm not very up to date on my Russian historical fiction. Well, that's because you haven't read War and Peace yet. The, actually, the only reason I know a whole lot of, I, and I don't know a whole lot, but anything really about this is uh, in high school we had to do like, what's it called? Uh, Chautauqua. Oh, and yeah. somebody else in my class did Anastasia. And so I remember. What's Chautauqua? Uh, it's where you dress up as a historical character and then you act out their life while teaching like the the crowd or the audience about that his the humanities person. program why is it called Chautauqua I don't well we'd have to look that I think up the now Sh- wouldn't oh, we well, yeah. I was just curious because I used to live in Chautauqua County I didn't know if there was I think a Chautauqua is a person and it's called like named after that person like no maybe clue. an Indian or something yeah. Indian I just know that I have friends theater friends who participate in it oh, and okay. it's a nationwide Thing. Sorry, I didn't even mean to put you on the spot. You just, uh, you know me. If I yeah. don't know, I'm like, what's that? What's that? What's that mean? <laughs> well, look it up. But yeah, we had to do it in high school. And no, you're supposed to know everything, Martha, and tell me. <laughs> but it's actually like people do this, like they'll do it at the state fair or they'll yeah. have like a Chautauqua, like a weekend where they're at the park and doing yeah, it. It's and learning it's like, through um, through theater in a way. Through reenactment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. learning through. Interesting. Yeah. Very, Our community theater group in uh, Gillette, Wyoming, used to do it. Hmm. And in Casper, Wyoming, as well. It sounds like something that I would probably like. I know you would, because you love historical fiction. Yes, I know. I am such a, I'm such an addict to a historical fiction, which next week I am going to review one of those. And what about you, Nicole? What do you... Oh, you already the told Romanoff us. Never sisters. mind. Maybe. I don't, I don't know if I'll, I'll actually get to that, but... And as far as War and Peace, I can't put that on hold yet because they just put 112263 by Stephen King on audiobook, and I'm next in line for it. And I know once I start that, I cannot read anything else because those are always so super long. I've got six uh, books that are coming up on my wish list, so there's a really good chance that the Peter Robinson's going to get the back seat. It's okay, but... I don't know. I got a bunch, a bunch of stuff in my hold, including, oh, 1984. Yeah. I need to put so. 1984 <laughs> on my wish list, which I'm doing right now as we speak. All right. And thus passes another day in the world of books. <laughs> yes. And um, we still have our book giveaway going on. If you have not sent us a message with your interest on one of the books, do it this next week because we have to give these books away next week. Yes, we do. We need to, especially the one for teenage girls. If we have any teenage girl yes. listeners or parents that would like to get in line for that, um, we haven't seen as much interest in that one. And I think it's just because, you know. I won't lie. I kind of want to read that because I watched Kim Possible with my little boy when he was growing <laughs> up. And I loved Kim Possible. It was if, awesome. If you have kids, you read stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I did. I read a lot of young adult fiction when... When my son was small. But now that he's old, I don't worry about him. Right. So, actually, if you don't comment about that one, then maybe I can keep it. So Don't tell Joshua that. <laughs> Joshua Unruh is our um, the author that we had on. And I think we may have a couple of other people that are wanting to be guests. So we might have some guests coming up, too. Great. All right. That is the end of this week's podcast for... Three Book Girls. Three book girls.